morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes of President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski, and today we have Ashley Kelly, the one and only Senior Director of Sales Development over at Brex and a big personality. Nick, why should people listen? Well, Ashley talks about dials a day, calling people who reject you via email and turning those into meetings, and the best way to structure your time so you can fit it all in. One, two, three, fit in this episode. Woo! Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Today's show is sponsored by Calendly. If you're interested in accelerating your sales cycle, improving your prospects' experience, and booking more demos, there's one scheduling automation platform on the market that does all three. Calendly offers team-based scheduling, solutions and integrations for every department, and lead routing to instantly book qualified meetings from your website and match known leads to reps based on real-time Salesforce assignment. I find it really helpful when I have to book meetings with multiple people on my side so that I don't have to coordinate everyone's calendars. Get started today by checking out the show notes or Calendly.com. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. All right, Ashley, welcome to the show. You know we start every episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. All right, first one is know your personal sales equation. So working backwards to hit your quota is something every top rep does. So knowing exactly how many selling days there are in the month, what sort of metrics you need to be putting in on a daily basis. So how many emails, how many calls, and really breaking that down is going to get you to your ultimate number and get you to your quota. Beautiful. What's the second one? Second one is call somebody the moment they give you the objection over email. Pick up the phone, handle the objection, get your meeting set. I hear this all the time like, you know, should I call once or twice? Call more than that. I used to call four to five times. I was crazy as a rep. Nice. What's the last one? Last one is create a schedule for your day. So especially during remote times right now, like we're all just sitting, staring at our computers, break it apart, have some time that you are specifically looking at your inbox and handling those objections, specific time that you have set aside to make calls, and then back to looking at your inbox again, and then wrapping up your day with 
I, what I would call like prepping for the next day, which is scrubbing your accounts, adding new contacts into sequence and prepping for tomorrow. What I want to go through first is that first point you had. So when I first came to Carta, I was like, how many dollars should I make today? I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, how many accounts do I need to find? They were like, I don't know. And so I literally mapped out backwards. If I wanted to do 150% of my quota, what would that take in terms of inputs? How do you think about starting with quota and then backing yourself into the ultimate inputs? Can you walk us through that equation? Yep. So I do this at the team level, and then I encourage my reps to do it at the individual level. So we look at what the total goal is. So number of qualified opportunities based on how many selling days there are, how many future meetings do you have scheduled and where are you pacing to goal? So what do you need to accomplish on a daily basis? And then you continue to peel the layers back, right? So it's going to take X amount of meetings to be scheduled. And then how do you get to that meeting? So what does what your reply rate look like? What does your open rate look like? Those tend to be two pieces that a lot of traditional teams look at. And I think where you can get really advanced in looking at your own personal equation is starting to look at a few other metrics. So looking at what is your reply rate? So of the replies that you've gotten, how many meetings have you scheduled off of those? What is the open reply rate based off of sequences compared to the one-offs that you're sending? And so I think the more that you can start to like really drill into the specifics of your own sales equation is where you can really start to move the needle and ask for help from your manager to see, you know, what, where, where are the areas to improve on? I'm really curious if we start, it sounds like you're talking about three things. So you've got your inputs, which is like number of dials, number of emails, your conversion, which is your reply rates, your set rates, and then your outputs, which are meetings, right? And so if we start with inputs, what are the minimum expectations that you put forward with your team in terms of accounts, dials, emails on a month, weekday basis? So I recommend a hundred activities per day for my team. And those can be anything from calls, voicemails, emails, LinkedIn's, voice memos. Some people play around with Sendoso. So I think diversifying those touch points is important and figuring out what the right recipe is of those 100 activities. But my team is probably doing like 40 to 50 new contacts into sequence each day. Ashley, I'm curious. So it sounds like we have the math piece figured out how you take that math and then plug it into your calendar. You talked about structuring your day in the beginning. So how do you take the inputs that you know you need and then calendar them out so that you have a plan for success? I like to stack it based off of what is going to yield the highest results and get those things done first. So your hottest lead. So from like 8 to 10 a.m., you're living in your inbox and you're, hand- you're seeing the replies that are coming through. You're picking up the phone and handling those objections. I think one piece that I see as a gap between certain like lower performers and top performers is their ability to navigate through accounts and leverage new contacts. So just because you've gotten an objection from someone and you don't feel like you can get the meeting from that person, you can always take those nuggets and then pivot and go to someone else, whether they're in the same org or, you know, I like to call it the difference between like the finance side of the house and the business side of the house. And then from 10 to 12 is usually where I recommend people spending their time making their calls. And so anyone that has opened up the emails and you know we all have our tools and we use outreach and so we're able to see that creepy stuff nowadays but it's good because you know who's engaged and that's where you're leaving calls and you're leaving your voicemails i think voicemails are so important you're also connecting with people on linkedin and then one thing that we've found really successful during this time period after leaving a voicemail is sending a one-off voicemail 
follow-up. So it's outside of the sequence. So this person, these people haven't replied yet, so they're still in sequence, but sending an additional follow-up to the voicemail that we just left has increased, I would say, our reply rates off of those specifically are 25%. Ashley, I want to bring this all the way back to one of your tips from the very beginning, which is the, you get the rejection email and then you pick up the phone and call that person immediately. And the first time you said that to me, I was like, oh, whoa, that's weird. Like they already told me no. I have enough trouble just even replying to that email, like trying to handle the not interested objection. So what does that call sound like? Are you picking up the phone and being like, hey, Armand, it's Ashley. You just told me no via email, but I wanted to call you. Like what comes out of that person's mouth so that you can get the person to engage? They'll say, hey, just got your email. Thanks so much. Wanted 30 seconds to actually clarify because I want to make sure you understand what Brex actually does or what whatever company actually does. Because a lot of the time it's, you know, they think we're something else or they think like, again, the objection is really never the real objection. So it's just clarifying what I had actually sent over and almost saying, sorry, I must have, I must not have explained it well enough. Do you have 30 seconds for me to, to dive a little bit deeper? Or I understand that you're using this. The reason I'm calling is because we have so many customers that switch over because of this. And then as far as doing that, and you see that every once in a while you have your, like your objections that are coming into your e- inbox, right? But oftentimes I'm telling my SDRs to tunnel vision and like close their inbox and close their Slack. And so how do you get them to respond to that stuff or to respond to an open email in a really timely fashion while at the same time, like not just letting that rule your day the whole time? There's always a balance of like what your day looks like. But going back to the schedule that I talked about earlier, the end of day from 2 to 5 p.m. is when I recommend that they're prospecting. And I really think in order to work 40 to 50 accounts per day, you can get your prospecting and scrubbing done within like a three hour time frame. Can you walk us through what that process would look like of like, oh, shoot, I've got I got to get 50 accounts in in the next two hours. Like, how do I like do that? Research them, get the contacts, like figure out if it's closed loss or this or that. Like, how do you do that in a way that you don't get lost in the weeds? As far as the process, they're then looking for contacts. So looking them up on LinkedIn, finding CFOs, any director higher in finance, but also making sure like if there is already a closed loss opportunity on the account, what was the closed loss reason? And then that goes back to, you know, the two different sequences that you would be sending. We also have our accounts scored. So based off of our ICP, we have priority scores. So that is separate from like an engagement score, which is also in outreach. So you can see who's engaged historically with with our emails if they've opened things before or replied. So a lot of people talk about like lead scoring and things like that. And I get this like MQL and it's like, oh, they downloaded an ebook and clicked on three pages. I haven't heard of account scoring as often. And the suggestion that I'm going to make to the audience is not that you all of a sudden ask your marketing ops to do account scoring, which you should. But if I was a rep and I wanted to mimic what you have on account scoring and I wanted to build my own scoring criteria so I know which accounts I should be going after, could you walk us through like what goes into that? And I know it's going to change for other companies, but how'd you do that for Brex? I think the first thing you do is you start with your existing customer base. So you look at people that are already the top customers with the highest ARR. We we don't use ARR, but we use um, GMV. So who are spending the most on our card? And you start to replicate that. And so you look at what are the industries? Are they venture backed, like fast growing tech companies? Are they, you know, whatever the profile is, and you start to build out what your true ideal customer profile is. And sometimes that is, you know, geographical. Sometimes it can be the size of the company. It can, again, the industry, like I said. So replicate your existing customer base and then start to prospect thinking that way. 
And I know you've rammed a bunch of people. You've got a bunch of people promoted along the way. And so can you walk us through, like, there are a lot of SDRs who want to make that AE transition. And it's more than just cold calling when you're closing, but you have to be able to do that and then some. And so what are some of the key things that you have SDRs doing so that they can get themselves promoted and on the track to start closing some deals? I think there's like two things that I see, and it's a it's a true like shift that happens. You see SDRs come in, they're you know learning the role, they're struggling through the role, then they're overcoming that, and like that's one of the first ones. Is I think like in order for an SDR to be successful as an AE, at some point they have to fail in the role. And I've got a rep right now that we're getting close to promoting, and she has crushed quota for like the last like eight nine months in a row. She's having the toughest month she's ever had this month. And she's realizing like, I'm doing the exact same stuff I've always done before. Why is this happening? And I think in order to be a good salesperson, you have to face adversity and figure out like the mental strength to get over that and figure out what that is. And then the second piece for SDRs getting ready to be promoted to AEs is starting to like really do the job. I always recommend that they follow a deal full cycle that they have prospected and be on every single call with the AE until it becomes a customer. Have the AE blind copy you on different emails so you can see like what's really involved. I think SDRs kind of have like blinders on in the sense that they do all this work to get to get the meeting scheduled. And they think once the meeting's scheduled, like it's done. It's now a customer, right? And that wouldn't that be awesome? But they I don't think they understand how much it goes in on the AE side, how many decision makers are now involved in deals to get things across the line, what it looks like when someone blows you off when you've expected like the deals to come through. So I think being able to see that there's the similar frustrations on both sides is probably what helps them mentally the most when it when it becomes time to transition into an AE. I kind of want to talk prospecting for a little bit because you've talked about some of the things your team is doing from an email, cold calling, objection handling, LinkedIn touch perspective. And so I almost want to go like all the way back to the beginning, like like the cold call. What are you teaching your new SDRs so that their cold calls like actually work? Yeah. Well, I can tell you some of the mistakes I've made too. Awesome. The, yeah. The mistakes I made is like telling people make X amount of dials and them thinking that X amount of dials means that that so like say I say you have to make 60 dials a day. They think that's 60 new, like 60 separate people, which it doesn't have to be. I, I think like a really good cold call is like you call that person once, they don't answer. You call them again an hour later, two hours later, you leave your voicemail. Then you send that one one off email that we were talking about, like the voicemail follow-up that we were talking about. And I think like knowing that really you only have to call 20 or 30 people a day, call them two or three times and you're going to hit that dial metric. I think another best practice would be like, even if you are scheduling a meeting, make sure you're asking the prospect, great. And if for some reason, you know, this, you know, Wi-Fi gets messed up, we're in these crazy times right now working from home, what's the best number to reach you on and keep that data? Because then you can actually, your calls become that much more efficient. But the last piece I would say about calls is having like a hot lead list. And so whether you have, um, you know, something like outreach that does show you who's opened and engaged, like have an Excel doc. I'm probably the only sales leader that's telling someone to do something outside of Salesforce. <laughs> sorry. But I mean, have a hot lead list where it's like, I know if I just call and get this person on the phone, I know I can book them. And so spend the majority of like your prime hours for calling, hounding down those people's. Okay, let's talk about emails for SDRs. What big mistakes do you see SDRs making with their emails? That they're too long, too wordy, and don't sound natural. And I think I've learned like the shorter to the point, smaller emails that you can do, the better open and reply rates. 
And I think that comes down to feature dumping, right? And I think we want humans, like we want to just tell you everything right up front because we're so afraid that we'll only get that one shot to talk to you. And I think if you can keep the emails way more concise, and again, back to the why you, why now framework. So like, why are you reaching out to them? Like, what is relevant? How can we help them? And then what is your call to action? I think, yeah, I'd say the opener and the call to action are two really, really important things within an email. I always, you know, I tell people all the time, like, my life has, I mean, all of our lives have changed so much, but my phone sits right next to me all day. I, if I'm, you know, not even at my computer, I'm still checking my email on my phone. And so if that email is concise enough for me to read on my phone, then I'm actually going to open it and read it. And those are the, I harp on that all the time. Those are the two first things you need before you get a reply or a meeting set is someone has to open and read it. Ashley, you've mentioned this why you, why now framework a couple times to me now. Can you explain for the listeners who don't know what it is, what that actually looks like? It's an old school John Barrows training where I got my training as an SDR at Zenefits years ago. And it's just, it's all about being relevant. And it's a framework for when you're writing an email and you can read it, almost read it back to yourself. Like, am I answering why you, so like why the prospect, why am I actually reaching out to them? Do they fit into a my my ICP? Are they someone that's going to value from my product? And am I making it relevant to them for why now that I'm reaching out to them? And the now piece, I think, is where you get the opportunity to really pitch your company. So I'll give an example with with Brex. We go out the YU would be late stage funded companies. Carta is one of our uh, customers. And why now is because it's so hard to get credit now. And there's so much going on. And the reward structure that we have now created for like the remote world is tied to collaborative tools, things that businesses are already spending money on. And so if you're able to relate, you know, those things to the prospect that you're going after, like you've accomplished the, the why you why now. So do you have any quick hits? You mentioned earlier that in this, you want to balance personalization and volume. And so the why you is really the personalized piece of that. And the why now comes after that. So how do you tell your reps to time block? Or like, when do you know that enough research is enough, and you just need to freaking write the email? Great question. I tend to say actually go faster than spending too much time on an email. I think if you're spending more than five minutes on an email, it's far too long. That being said, what I like to have reps do is actually write the email and if they don't feel super confident with it, send it over to me. I can cut out a few different words. Like let's do it together. Like we've got Slack and it takes two seconds to do that kind of stuff. So the trigger is being like my reps use Crunchbase. So we want, we want to go after companies that have just received funding that are growing tech companies. And so being able to subscribe to Crunchbase, their newsletter that comes in each morning, um, we have term sheets, we can see like what's happening out in the market and who's getting um, funding. And then that's a really good reason for the why you like you guys are growing. This is, you know, this is already spend that you have. Here's what we could be getting, you know, you more cash back for, or whatever the case is. But yeah, I think from a time standpoint, I'd say spend less than five minutes and use other peers, use a framework that's already been built and then change the personalization at like the top of the email and the call to action. And then the last thing I want to hit on is, you know, we hit on the email channel, we hit on the phone channel. You mentioned Sendoso once or twice. It gets it sort of hard with quarantine to send people stuff. But I'm curious, what have you done there? And have you found it to be successful? Yeah, so we're still playing around with it and, and doing different things. What I've liked to use it for is actually bringing in a second voice. So sending um, on my rep's behalf. So if my rep has been working an account, and they're hit up the prospects, every which way that they can, I feel like they've really exhausted it, they'll give me a list of people to go after. And so I'll say like, I, you know, I understand my rep has been reaching out to you, um, just wanted to send over a quick copy on Brex or 
what is, I think I actually used, it will take less time than grabbing a cup of coffee to have a conversation. So something like kind of cheesy and catchy and, but I would send it for them. And I think like that actually shows prospects that, you know, they're not just one in a million. It's like, we're actually reaching out to them for the right reason. So I've used it there. And then also for like no shows and reschedules. So people that have gone dark, I think it's an easy way to re-engage with people too. Yeah, it was really interesting. So I got sent an entire bottle of wine the other day, which I guess that's personalization. I enjoyed it. And it was interesting, like Sendoso said, hey, you know, since a lot of people are not working from the office, can you just confirm your address? So that ended up being what it was. And so I I didn't think it was creepy at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, gosh, I wish someone would send me a bottle of wine. There you go. That's the ask of the (laughs) listeners this week. Boom. That's, you know what? So you talked about people prospecting you. And you talked about wanting a bottle of wine. That's the best way for someone to book a meeting with you. I'm going to mention that at the end. The other thing I would talk about as well, when it comes to like overall sequencing and messaging, like, like, yes, the diversifying of touch points is so important. Be very mindful of when you are sending out your emails. So myself, for example, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning after saying good morning to my husband and my cute little French bulldog, I look at my email and I'm like, did my boss email me? Okay, no, good. Did one of my reps email me? Okay, and so I'm like in fire mode right away. And I just start going swipe, 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 deleting every vendor email. And so I don't even really even look at them. Now, if someone were to email me at a different time, like let's say tonight when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm on Instagram scrolling and going back and forth from my email and doing that, and I receive something around six or seven o'clock, I'm way more inclined to open and reply. And so I think that's been something that's been really successful for our team. And I would even challenge people, if you are going after founders or C-level executives, I don't think the weekend is out of question. On Sundays, I'm prepping for my week already. And I think we've seen people actually respond on the weekends and actually want to take meetings on the weekends, which I don't recommend that. But I definitely think that you can have a sequence drop on a Saturday or Sunday, and it's not unprofessional. So I got a hot take, controversial opinion. I am in total agreement with that. A lot of people say like, hey, I had a 1 p.m. demo or 1 p.m. discovery call. I got to send that recap email right now. I think that is probably the biggest nonsense out there. And the reason why is if you're in a high velocity deal cycle, like you are, and like I am at Carta, you might have three or four meetings a day. There is no way that I'm going to do that in an efficient manner three or four times a day. Instead, batch them all at the end of the day, have them go out after they've started to clear out that inbox and you pop right to the top. Everyone thinks that the prospects are thinking of us all day. In reality, they're trying to get all the other crap out of their way so that they can look for the email from their boss. And you want to avoid that fray entirely and get away from it. Well, so the Sunday thing is really interesting. And you guys have the benefit of using sequence tools so you can get things to kick off on a Sunday. But when I was an SDR, one of the things that I would do, because I didn't have the luxury of being able to have something send on my behalf, like I legitimately had to click send, I would schedule those emails. So you can use a scheduling tool in Outlook. I think they have add-ins. But before I even knew about that, I literally created like 60 draft emails. So on Sunday, I literally woke up, had a cup of coffee and just hit send, 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 send. And those were manual emails. But yeah, the Sunday thing is huge, especially right now. And if someone feels like they're encroaching on your on their personal hours, one, don't look at your email over the weekend if you don't want it to encroach on your personal hours. Two, they'll tell you and then you can respect it. But don't assume that the weekend is a bad time to engage in that. Totally agree. And to your point, if they tell you that it is, guess what? You got to reply. 
And then yeah. you've got one more opportunity to apologize. Absolutely. Because, you know, you, you know, the goal isn't to piss people off, but you did get a reply and might be starting stuff off on the wrong foot, but you're getting that information and moving deeper into the account, which I think is the ultimate goal when it comes to outbounding. Well, shoot, we hit it all. We hit rampant SDRs, getting them promoted, the calls, the emails, the Sendoso, send me a free coffee. By the way, if you book a meeting with Ashley, make sure that you no-show it because that's the easiest way to get a free cup of coffee. (laughs) Until then, right? Ashley, we talked about a lot of good habits. There has got to be one bad habit for every rep to break out there. If you were going to break one, what would it be? Oh, if I were to break a habit, laziness. I think there's, you know, I'm a big believer in there. Oh, wait break laziness. Don't be lazy is is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Be more lazy. Yeah, no, break laziness because I'm a big believer in what you put in today doesn't show up until tomorrow. And so the repetition, it might feel mundane, but it will pay off and don't skip a, don't, what do they say? Don't skip leg day. It's like the same thing for SDRs. Do not skip leg day. Alrighty, go follow Ashley on LinkedIn, get in touch with her and stay in touch for a 60 second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. This actionable tactic on selling to power is sponsored by SalesLoft. Don't start from zero when a champion introduces you to power. Explain the three to four priorities you learn from the champion, but then ask them to validate what's really important to them or what we missed. And we partnered with SalesLoft to give you a whole bunch of talk tracks on selling to power. The link is in the show notes. Today's sales email tip is brought to you by Lavender. If you want to get more replies to your sales emails, try removing exclamation points and question marks from your email subject lines. They cause open rates to plummet. Instead, make the subject line feel internal. It should be short, one to three words, and it should showcase the topic of the email, but also be about them. We sat down with Lavender and built a sales email framework guide with emails for every step of your sales process. And there is a link in the show notes to get it for free. Your top four takeaways from the episode with Ashley Kelly include number one, 100 activities per day. Mix it up. Phone, email, LinkedIn, Sendoso, send them some coffee. Number two, multiple dials on a single contact per day. You don't have to call a different contact every single dial. Call them in the morning, middle of the day, in the afternoon. Number three, dial around the organization and gather intel along the way. So you find out they're on a competitor from a CFO, go call the controller and use that intel on the controller. And then lastly, number four, pick up the phone the moment you see an objection. Hit them hard. Don't wait for that email response to come in. Don't wait for them to look at your next email. Pick up the phone and just say, hey, I wanted to clarify what that you actually knew what Brex did before you just close the door on us. All right, Nick, where can people help us out? So this week, I don't want a subscription. I don't want a rating. I don't want a review. I don't want a LinkedIn post. Armand and Ashley are both directors, and so they get prospected, and people send them nice stuff. But I've only ever once gotten a cup of coffee via Sendoso in my entire career. So I guess you could send it to Armand also. And Armand, if people send me anything, I'll split it with you. But a cup of coffee might be nice. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening.
Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device, which means if you're sending a tech stock or a slide deck, the formatting is going to look really ugly and you're going to make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly tech stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to to take advantage of the offer.